0: Paul Pabarstool. Welcome to another edition of the Social Media Podcast. I'm John, and man, do I have a treat for you. All I gotta say is Mari Smith. I mean, seriously, Mari Smith, the queen of Facebook. She's my guest today. Really, what do I have to say? I mean, I don't have to say a whole lot to get you interested, but we're going to talk about Facebook hashtags, uh, removal of 20% rule in cover photos, a whole lot of other stuff. It doesn't matter. You're going to love it. So go ahead and listen. Um, just so you know, though, today's today's episode is sponsored by TabSite. Really happy to have TabSite back as a sponsor of the social media podcast. Now, if you're not familiar with TabSite, you can boost fan engagement with contests and deal apps just by using their product Uh, for your Facebook page. Awesome, awesome tool. Find out more by going to tabsite.com slash podcast. Now, as a special deal for listening to this episode, you get 33% off for the first year of any planned subscription by using the promo code podcast. All right, tabsite.com slash podcast, promo code podcast. Pop a bottle, let's do it. Hey everybody, John from johnloomer.com and John Loomer Digital on Facebook, here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast, where each week I invite a different friend to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. Today, I am so happy to have on the show, finally, author, entrepreneur, public speaker, queen of Facebook, Mari Smith. How's it going, Mari?
1: Hi John, it's going awesome. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Man, it's just like one of, like I, I've had the the show for at least with with uh, guests for I guess it's seven seven months now, and uh, I mean we've known each other for a while, but mm-hmm. you're one of those people that I've got to have on, right? And yeah. So I'm just thrilled to have you. I mean you've. Not not to make this like a whole Mari Smith ego stroke thing, but uh, I mean, you mean so, so much to my career. And I know that many, many of the people listening, probably most, if not all, know who you are and get into Facebook marketing because of you. So
1: hmm.
0: appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's just, it's an honor. It's an honor. And it, it's a big world out there. And Facebook is a giant site and a lot of people need help. So I, I'm thrilled to see the path that you're on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I mean, you're a big, big reason why I'm having success today. Uh, as you started sharing my stuff, you know, back in about August or so of last year, um, big, big help to my business. I mean, mm-hmm. now I look at you you, got, you just went over 100,000 fans. I mean, I'm not one to, to get all crazy about number of fans, but that's kind of cool.
1: It was a fun landmark, I must yeah. admit. It, you know, when I, I started my page in 2008, when they first introduced the feature, and uh, I feel like it's been a long, slow climb, and I really haven't done anything all that proactive to To build the fan base, other than you know, just keeping adding value, pretty much every single day. So this is very for organic growth, and I'm I, I'm delighted to have that community.
0: Yeah, and it's a very very active community you've got there. I mean, some people say you know I have fifty thousand fans, hundred thousand fans, whatever. Who knows about the quality? But I know if you ever share something in mine, I'm getting the Mari Smith bump. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting all kinds of traffic, and that's it's often like. I'll, I'll check my stats and like, whoa, where'd that come from? Oh, it's probably, the first thing I always check is, did Mari, Mari share something of mine? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so. I, yeah, anyway, um, so on the podcast, Mari, now, this is a, a relaxed, uh, like, we're hanging out at a bar, we, we met up uh, at a conference, we never, I, we, did, we did meet up uh, in San Diego recently, but we never got to sit down and have a drink, so here's our opportunity, um, and I always ask, Mari, what are you drinking?
1: I have champagne in the fridge, (laughs) chardonnay in the fridge. Uh, I haven't
0: opened either one of them. I was thinking about it. So right now, it's just water. But, you know, I
1: like a good drink. I like a good glass of wine.
0: That's fine. Someone's got to be responsible. Uh, (laughs) So today, this is kind of like uh, my plea to to breweries out there to eventually sponsor this this show. But I'm drinking a Sawtooth Ale I've uh, Got to keep keep it local. This is from uh, Longmont, Colorado, up the road for me. So, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> Lots of stuff to cover today, Mari. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like there's always something going on with Facebook, which it makes our jobs, our lives easier. Um, one of the big developments recently is Facebook hashtags. Mm-hmm. I see that you're definitely using them. I mean, what what are your what are your feelings on hashtags?
1: I got to say, John, I was absolutely ecstatic when uh, Facebook finally unveiled them. You know, there was lots of rumblings for many months that they were on their way. You know, someone had spotted some code uh, in behind Mm -hmm. in the kind of developer end, so we knew they were coming. And... You know, there's, it's interesting to see different opinions out there. People saying, oh, gosh, you know, Facebook's late to the party. Or, or, or I've also seen people saying, you know, get hashtags off Facebook. They belong in Twitter. And I, I just think, you know, with all due respect, those people are not really thinking from um, a, a, a more expansive standpoint because hashtags now have become universal. And they are on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and now Facebook. And I think really one of the reasons that Facebook took so long to get them out is they have the biggest, most, you know, challenging platform with all the different permutations. Twitter, each tweet, you know, one tweet, 140 characters, that's it. Uh, Whereas Facebook, you've got all the posts across profiles, a billion profiles and tens of millions of fan pages, plus all the comments, you know. And so then every single hashtag has its own little feed. Yeah, and yeah. so then they've applied the algorithms to those feeds, as you know, and which seems a little, I can see both sides of the camp, you know, a little unfair, mm-hmm. uh, but it also feels like it's ideally more relevant, which is Facebook's argument for their main news feed is always about relevancy. So I think that hashtags from a business standpoint, John, are, you know, it's an aspect of business that really needs to become an integral part of a marketing plan to really do your homework, to really figure out, okay, what hashtags are in use right now? What can we really claim and own? Um, my friend Jessica Northey, she is uh, really big in social media for country music. And she started on Twitter, hashtag CMChat for country music chat. And she hosts a regular country music chat with that hashtag. I believe it's every week and um, on Twitter. She just absolutely Built herself through consistency, like you doing these podcasts, just regularly hosting uh, valuable information for her marketplace. Well, of course, as soon as Facebook brought the hashtags out, now she can have that same hashtag, that same conversation for you know hashtag CM chat, and it just expands her her reach exponentially.
0: Yeah, and I think the interesting thing here is Facebook's always had this struggle um, with the the differences between private. And public content, yeah, um, not only in terms of privacy and people not knowing what's private, and what's public, and whatnot, but discovery of public content. Oh, right. Yeah. If you're not following a page or a, a friend or a public figure or whatever, you're not seeing that public content for the most part, unless it's shared by a friend. And I think the the combination of graph search and and uh, hashtags starts bringing it all together so because there's so much content, great content out there that everyone's missing. Uh, And uh, now this kind of helps us all get away from our immediate connections and start following these discussions about our niche uh, topic that we want to follow.
1: Yeah, there's absolutely no question, no doubt about it, that hashtags, one of the many, many tremendous uses is content discovery, not just content, but whole new businesses and people. I'm finding it's a terrific way to network and expand my reach with with friends, followers and fans. And so, really clicking through to those hashtags or just doing a search for them, mm-hmm. as you know, on uh, graph search, it, the hashtag has its own little icon now, and you can search for the hashtag, or you can just go to facebook.com/slash/hashtag/slash whatever the keyword is. Um, I want to speak a little bit here to the privacy that you just brought up because. On the day that Facebook announced the hashtags, it was amazing mm-hmm. to me to see even some of the most seasoned social media professionals, mm-hmm. again with all due respect, completely confused and all, in fact, all up in arms about. Yeah. Oh my God, had I just clicked through on this, and this is posted to friends, but now everybody can see it. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. So interestingly enough, on that morning, I think it was June 13th. I posted. Um, I posted. Uh, About just dispelling the myths around the hashtag privacy, and that John has now set a record in the years I've had my fan page. It is the uh, uh, it got the widest reach, 137,000, getting close to 140,000 reach on that one post. uh, Almost 1,300 shares, and I love to be kind of the voice of reason. I love (laughs) to be like everybody's like buzzing and hyping and all kinds of even like panic. And I get in there and I like figure out what is the truth of the matter and how can I articulate it in a way that is so clear that people just get it and they go, oh, my God, I get it. It makes sense. And when Facebook says privacy aware, what that means, if you put a hashtag in a post or a comment that is shared just to friends, well, then only friends can see that, period. Mm -hmm. If you share it to public, then public can see it. And obviously, fan pages are 100% public, so anything on fan pages is fair game. Right.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you do that because I mean, you do have that audience of 100,000 people, and uh, it's so important that we get that information out. Uh, It's funny you you mentioned, you know, how much how popular that post was, Mm -hmm. uh, because when I started doing this a couple years ago, I, I I didn't have that niche yet into Facebook marketing. And the posts I wrote about uh, that got the most traffic, and I still to this day get traffic to some of these old posts from a couple of years ago. It's around Facebook privacy. Wow! People love that stuff. It doesn't really lead to business necessarily, which is why I kind of got away from it. But man, that's 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 a topic that um, if it's it's so important because it's, there's so much confusion out there. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like every time anything anything new is rolled out, I think it's just a matter of like a trust issue, which I don't think is entirely Facebook's fault. I think it's just a perception thing. And, I don't know. You have to own your perception, I guess. <laughs> but uh, never have they <laughs> rolled out one of these things where it's like, well, that kind of uh, that goes around your privacy now, right? It's, not, it's your privacy settings always apply, and they always yes. will. And uh, so. It's really important that people understand that with hashtags. What you see is gonna be different than what I see, and that's that's kind of one of those things that makes Facebook confusing, though.
1: Well, it does, you know, and, and if I may, just a quick sidebar on privacy, because here's the thing, that because on a personal profile, you can retroactively go back and change the privacy. Mm-hmm. So for me, my rule of thumb, John, is that I just never share anything online that really is genuinely private that I don't want people to know about. That I wouldn't be happy being on, you know, the front page of New York Times and up on a big billboard or found in a Google search or, you know, proud for my mom to see. I just those are kinds of things that I keep completely offline if I if something's genuinely private. So. And I, at the same time, again, you know, I can understand and have compassion and empathy for the masses, the vast majority of Facebook users, you know, which we we have to keep in mind that the Facebook um, members are users first. Mm-hmm. You know? Us marketers and business people are in the minority. It's the users that are majority. And they really do have a sense of ownership and, and territorialness, if you oh, will. Yeah. <laughs> if they're sharing something, it's only to friends and it's yeah. a picture of their kids or whatever, then that's only exclusively to who they want to share it with. So, but, um, you know, I just, yeah, anyway, that's just my, my approach to, to Facebook and privacy. It's almost like an oxymoron. You, yeah. you have to take responsibility for your own privacy.
0: Yeah. I think it almost gets easier for people like us, like as we get more public to truly get that and be more careful about what we share.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Cause yeah, I, I take the same approach because it's just like email. It's like anything else. Like if you don't want someone want the whole world to see it, you shouldn't share it because anyone can easily print screen it, you know, whatever yeah. uh, and, and share it, share it with everybody else. Uh, so in general, people need to be more careful, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I get, I get the, the concern and, and that not everyone is, you know, up to speed on exactly what the changes mean. That's mm-hmm. why someone like you is so important, Mari.
1: <laughs>
0: Cheers. Um, now, another change I know you're excited about, and it's one that, you know, I'm kind of lukewarm on it. I, I, it, it hasn't impacted me a whole lot. Um, it's the 20% rule on cover photos. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are really really excited about this I, personally I don't have a, d- a designer on staff that I use often so like I stick to pretty much my same cover photo for the most part so I haven't, I haven't messed with it a whole lot but uh, I know you constantly swap out so you, you have a new one right now promoting uh, your book uh, mm-hmm. the, the new relationship marketing um, so, so how, how do you feel about this change?
1: Well, it's interesting, John, you mentioned the word lukewarm. I think if there was a temperature lower than lukewarm but not quite cold, that's where I would be on this issue.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Somewhere between cold and lukewarm. It's really fascinating to me how, you know, the other day when this uh, quietly, you know, Facebook just kind of suddenly disappeared this from their page guidelines. However, it's still sitting there in some of the help sections. And I think, you know, stand back a moment as a marketer and a business owner and don't get too overly crazy. If you turn your cover image into a giant billboard yes. with, with tons of confusing text and multiple calls to action and contact information, forget it. You're just going to look like like busy and confusing and overwhelming. There's a lot to be said for white space or it doesn't have to be white, but just, you know, space and in and, and symmetry and, and good design and, Um, A graphic design um, uh, colleague of mine uh, some time ago told me that with anything, any graphic, any image, any website, cover image, you name it, there has to be what she used to call a hero. What is the hero of that? And that needs to be one thing that just pops out at you first. And there might be, you know, second and third um, tertiary, whatever, but. The thing is that if you have too much text, it just doesn't convey the right message. So I don't get it. I don't get what the big deal is. The yeah. one main thing. I mean, I do get the one thing is that we no longer have to be so anxious about. Gee, you know, did I just make this twenty-two percent or thirty percent? Or I'm going to get dinged? Am I going to lose my page because I've right. got, you know, five words instead of three? Um, that's the thing. But good design practices still must prevail because. On anything on the web, and and not even just the web, but um, anything that we look at in terms of, you know, advertising, if you will, or promotions, our eyes notice color, then layout, then image, then the first three to five words in that order. So that's the deal there. And I think that if people have too much going on, it's just it sends a message, sends a subliminal message that you know, hey, I'm kind of chaotic and busy and I'm all over the map and I don't really know what I'm doing but come and buy bus- do business with me.
0: Right, no, I, I'm glad you said that. I, I, I didn't know how you felt about the issue necessarily. And um, from the beginning, now I've, had, I've battled with Facebook a lot over the 20% rule when it comes to, um, when, when it comes to ads, right? Mm-hmm. But first of all, I've, I've never heard of anyone being shut down for the 20% rule on their cover photo. No. Or really heard of any issues period but in general i've always understood and kind of agreed with um you know kind of the sentiment behind the 20 percent rule so whether or not there's an official rule in place which i kind of thought was ridiculous that you, you would regulate something like that um i think having too much text like you say is bad design it also gets into being a very you're becoming a, a pushy marketer um they're also, I think, I think, one of the reasons why with the ads they wanted to push, they, they wanted to uh, limit that is because you, you have the potential for um, uh, kind, kind of ha- having an ad look like it's part of the, the native text of the page, I guess. Um, And they didn't want to basically deceive users, is kind of my feeling of it. But overall, I just, yeah, you're right. You don't want to become a big billboard, a whole bunch of calls to action. You need white space. It made sense anyway. So I'm not changing my approach. Um, Yeah, maybe you feel a little bit more comfortable now using those calls to action and whatnot that you probably could have used anyway and gotten away with it. But um, so in general, I think we both feel like, okay, (laughs) big deal hmm yeah yeah cheers okay so we can we can move on from one. but um ads though mm-hmm. so uh, how, how much do you advertise because you you get so much uh, organic growth do you have to advertise much for your page
1: so here's my strategy on ads uh, and, and if people follow me closely they'll see a pattern that uh, roughly about once a quarter I do a very strategic promotion I make a mm-hmm. major offer and usually that's gonna look like a free webinar uh, on which I make an irresistible offer, and selling one of my courses. And so, uh, during times that I'm not, uh, you know, outside of about a two or three week window every quarter, uh, I just really don't. I don't do much with ads. I might periodically boost a post, but that's about it. Maybe sponsor a story. Um, but it's funny. I was just looking at my credit card statement the other day, and was, uh, all I spent in the month of June was $1,100. I'm saying all. I'm sure that's a lot <laughs> money. For some people. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, to um, it's not that much in terms of the overall marketing budget, um, and the eleven hundred was spent on uh, several things. You know, boosted posts, uh, sponsored stories, ads, uh, custom audience. I loaded up um, oh, a big, big portion of my database who had not yet signed up for the webinar, awesome. and uh, you know, advertised to them. And then I also loaded up my unsubscribes and advertised to them.
0: That's so really, yeah. really smart. Yeah, I, I mean, custom audiences is a, a topic that. I mean, I've been pushing for months ever since that came out. I'm like, this is such a powerful, incredible opportunity. Uh, you can, like you said, target people who haven't yet signed up for your webinar or ha- who or who have. Uh, but yeah, I, so are you using it in this case as an exclude? So you're excluding people who have already signed up, or right. okay, yeah. I mean, or you could do things like. Uh, Targeting your your uh, non fans who are on this list and say hey become a fan I think mean, there's so <laughs> many opportunities for custom audiences right um, really really cool um, oh and, and since you mentioned uh, the boost post I'm curious because I first of all I, you know, I've ta- I've written about this a lot but I, I don't do the boost post but I, I checked it uh, I think it was today actually and I noticed you can now at least in mine I know because everyone always sees see something different. You can now completely edit the amount that you boost. Do you Correct. Do you, you have that now too? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. It came out a little bit ago. I think they're just slowly ruling it out. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And you see the number updating real time. And all the starts at like I just clicked on one here, it's gonna say, you know, starting at six hundred dollars. Well, <laughs> I don't think Facebook I'm gonna spend six hundred, but let's see what it gives me if I spent sixty dollars. It's not even worth it. I mean, $60 is not going to get me anything. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't do a lot of boosted posts Yeah. You know, for the, the same reason. I think it's hard to really truly measure an ROI just on a boosted post. The boosted post, generally speaking, would need to have some kind of an offer in it for me. Yep. You know what, click, click through for them to opt-in or buy but just to boost a piece of content mm, not sure yeah yeah
0: and what I do I mean I, I use power editor for those when I when I promote those posts but you can also do you know conversion tracking so right I'll, for a case like that yeah I would I would create a post on Facebook that promotes some sort of offer and probably do conversion tracking and then yeah you're targeting your fans you're targeting your non-fans and so that you know I, that's why I, I always avoid the, the boosted posts just so you can have a little bit more control but, um,
1: well, the other thing, if I could just speak one yeah. more thing that it, both on desktop newsfeed and mobile newsfeed, for the, for the untrained eye, they, they might not really notice, but I think more people are getting a bit more savvy and realizing as soon as they see that little sponsored mm. label. Means somebody's paid for it. That means uh, they're basically saying, you know, I have paid to get this in front of your eyeballs. So you better see it, engage with it, like it, share it, whatever. <laughs> or, and, co- or
0: complain about it. Right?
1: Or complain about it, which a lot of people do, you know. And, you know, and I love that strategy of going into the ad dashboard and removing that one uh, element of a boosted post that promotes to non fans, friends right. of fans. And, you know, I, I don't do it all that often, but uh, it's funny because I just noticed. Uh, someone was complaining on a boosted post the other week saying, you know, get this. They literally made, they literally left a comment on my post saying, get this spam out of my newsfeed. Yep.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like you said, they're very territorial. Uh, <laughs> so it's yeah. not just territorial about, you know, what they post or territorial, about what shows up in their newsfeed. That's true. So I get that. Cheers. But yeah, I mean, um, a, a, a new change that's coming that, of course, I don't have yet. Um, that I am really excited about is regarding the new Facebook Ads Manager reports.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I've, I haven't used those reports a whole lot because you can even schedule them and, and get them sent to you um, and whatnot. Um, I, I use them as reference, but I, you know, I'm usually looking at them in real time or putting together a report for a client or something. Um, I don't know how much you use them now, but they, they're going to be great. I mean, what, what do you think about this?
1: Yeah, the ads manager reports. Um, Facebook are clearly just really, really wanting to listen more and and make the changes according to what people are asking for. Yeah, right. um, and the vast majority of of you know Facebook features and changes that I see tend to. Be a little more geared toward the bigger advertiser, you know, the companies with bigger budgets. But this change you're talking about, the ads manager reports, I'm excited because it really does affect the smaller folks, the folks with smaller budgets nice. and who don't even necessarily comprehend what it means to split test. Hmm. And so you place an ad, and Facebook's going to say, here, let us show you how well that ad is performing by gender, by age by geography and by placement, whether um, mobile or newsfeed or side, uh, right-hand side. So when you place an ad and it says, well, wouldn't you know that men aged 35 to 55 in New York City are liking your ad or responding to your ad way more than this whole other right. sector over here whatever whatever. Okay, great, you know, I'll put more money into that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it's absolutely, I mean, based on the sounds of it, I mean, who knows what it actually is. Uh, we'll see when we when it's in practice, but yeah, I mean, I preach all day long about you've got to split test because I hear so many people who's like, oh, it didn't work, it didn't, you know, I wasted my money on this. I'm like, well, how many ads did you create? One or two or whatever <laughs> it is. Like, well, because whenever I create a campaign, it's uh, there. There's certain things I always create variations of. It's placement, so reaching everybody, you know, all placements. Uh, and then there's one that goes in a desktop newsfeed, one that goes in a mobile newsfeed, one that goes into both newsfeeds and then also split testing, um, bidding. So I'll use the optimized CPM and, and regular CPM. Um, but just all kind, of, you know, targeting, you know, all kinds of things. Right. Mm-hmm. But and most people don't do that. And, and I understand it cause it's a complete pain. <laughs> it's it's a lot of work. But what's, what's so amazing is that, yeah, now you could create one ad and kind of go through there to figure out, hopefully easily, um, what placement was most successful. And not just, when I say successful, they're actually tracking now, it's not just the clicks, but the actions. So what was the cost per action uh, in the newsfeed? men aged 25 to 35 in Canada, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that... So you didn't have to create that ad targeted at those people in that with that placement. Now that you see it and that that was most successful, you stop that first broad ad and you create one that's much more focused, and then that sh- should be so much more efficient. And I just think it's brilliant, and I wish it was available a long time ago.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, it's interesting. We'll see how it goes though. Uh, Because, you know, Dennis, you, I mean, we're, we're, I was asking him about it and he was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, and his reasoning behind that is, uh, because of optimized CPM, Facebook supposedly is already optimizing your ad, making, uh, focusing on the placement and targeting and everything else that should be most efficient for you already. That's what he says. Um, yeah, I mean, l- I still want to try it out. I was, I was a little disappointed. I was like, "Look, man, I'm all excited. You're right on my parade here." But uh, <laughs> That's funny. cheers! It, this is just another change. I mean, oh my goodness, Mari, change after change after change after change. I mean, I love it. Uh, it gives me something to do, and it gives me something to write about. Um, I mean, in general, I think most people freak because it's like, I can't keep up. Yeah. I mean, what, what? yeah. I mean, do you think in general, this is progress, all these changes Facebook makes? What do you think?
1: Well, you know, for the longest time, I've thought that uh, Facebook cannot afford to be complacent. Mm-hmm. They, they've dominated the social network field uh, online for many years, and they've held on to their number one positioning, and that's great. And, you know, we cast our minds back. Obviously, MySpace had its heyday and yeah. it was kind of making a comeback and whatnot. And I, I do think that, um, you know, there's a whole other conversation about the psychology of Facebook and how it's become ingrained habits, how we check Facebook on our mobile phones first thing in the morning, last thing in the, at night, and a bazillion times in between, you know, we sleep with our iPhones or smartphones by our bedside table there, and it's just we want to be connected. We want to find out, you know, who in our community is up to what. And and that's great. So in terms of the changes that Facebook is making, specifically that tends to impact business users a bit more than the general users for personal use, they, you know, Facebook is just doing its best as a company to simplify, to accommodate many different needs out there, to obviously, since they went public in uh, February of 2012, they have a fiduciary duty to make money for the shareholders. And um, I listened into recently that first annual uh, shareholders meeting, and and uh, it was fascinating. Man, they just uh, held nothing back. Uh, the shareholders were relentless in asking <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg and his whole team, you know, when are we going to get an ROI, when are, when can we expect the stock price to go up? So, and, and it's interesting, in a recent conversation with Dennis Yu, our mutual friend, who's just, you know, a Facebook ninja, and um, he was saying that the, you know, the Facebook news feed ever since Facebook has ever existed has always been, you know, sacred. It's, it's a place where you get your updates from friends and fan pages and you don't see it littered with ads. Um, however, we are seeing more and more the, the suggested posts. First, it was suggested pages, then suggested posts. Uh, we are going to be seeing, you know, the retargeted, the FBX oh, yeah. type of ads will be going into there. Anything to monetize those eyeballs that are looking at the newsfeed all day, every day on mobile, because the sidebar, the right-hand side ads are really only seen probably by about 30 35% of Facebook users. The 70 75% are looking at mobile and yeah. they never see those ads. So
0: Right. And um, if I ever got that new news feed which I still do not and I, I guess you don't either. I don't have it. No. I don't uh, know what
1: I, I you know we were talking offline there. It's just yeah. bizarre to me that we're such a big big fuss about this magical new news feed and then nothing. I mean nothing. I, haven't, I don't even know anybody that has it yet. So
0: nothing. I don't know Yeah. News- <laughs> yeah, I just know a couple of people. and but, but basically the the sidebar is de-emphasized there as well, which makes sense. Because uh, like you're saying, it's all about the news feed. Uh, it, it's interesting that you compared, uh, you, you brought up MySpace. I'm not saying compared, because I was actually thinking about that as well. Not, not that, because I, first of all, I hate any comparison to MySpace because they're not the same. It's so far off. Um, Facebook's not going to crash like MySpace did. But um, I, I thought of MySpace because I think Facebook does what MySpace didn't. MySpace mm-hmm. didn't evolve until it was way too late. Um, who knows? Maybe they can still completely rebound. Uh, I'm, I'm skeptical. But uh, the, I mean, from the beginning to the end of MySpace, it was there really weren't, weren't any big changes. It was just the same kind of crazy format. And uh, I think I think maybe that's what the kind of thing that motivates Facebook to constantly evolve, constantly change, constantly tweak and break things and progress. And I I think it's great. I mean, I often hear people, I mean, people complain, but I'm like, man, if you could just see, compare this to what you had two, three, four years ago, I think in most cases, people would want what we have right now.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Cheers. Um, So, so, I mean, you and I, this this is our it's not only our business but I mean we're just we use Facebook a ton, right? It's it's uh it's become a big part of my life. I remember when I uh I first was exposed to you it was back in man I think it was like two thousand eight two thousand eight two thousand eight two thousand nine um, and that was at uh, Blog World. But I think at the time you might have been talking more about Twitter. Um, but anyway, it makes me wonder sometimes like what would happen if Facebook did go the way of MySpace or whatever. And uh, what what would you do?
1: Well, here's the interesting thing, and I'm glad that you brought this up. I think that there there's a great uh, misperception out there uh, in the world at large and even in my community that, you know, all I do is Facebook and yeah. I make, make all my money on Facebook and through Facebook. And, um, you know, if the site ever went away, I'd, I'd be destitute, <laughs> bankrupt or whatever. It's just ridiculous. I yeah. mean... What people don't see, uh, I often joke about being an overnight success 10 years in the making, and since the early 2000s, I have been uh, uh, um, you know, very active in the online world. I'm an online marketing consultant. am a certified uh, relationship coach. Uh, I do a lot of public speaking. My first information product came out in 2003, and it was called uh, Email That Sizzles. And I had to write emails that get open, get read, and make people take action. That was awesome. my first information product. So I'm an information uh, marketer. Um, I, over the last couple of years, have evolved or I should say expanded my business uh, to really include business coaching. In the fall of last year, I launched a club, a business coaching club called Business and Beyond, and it has three elements. We, 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 I teach um, business building, the fundamentals of building a solid, sustainable leverageable, scalable business over years so that, you know, it's not just a hobby. A lot of people do that, but just it's a very, very profitable business, all the fundamentals of that. And the second element is obviously social media, which includes Facebook. It's not all Facebook. And then the third element, which is something very close and near and dear to my heart, which is a personal, emotional and spiritual growth, uh, spiritual principles that have made a profound impact in my life. So Uh, We have 50 members in that club, and I just love it. And, you know, I don't promote it that heavily. Uh, It's just it's kind of like a a special group of of very committed entrepreneurs, mostly all women. We have 48 women and two men. (laughs) And uh, I just love that. And so that's just one element. Uh, you know, I love to talk about Twitter, too. I'm a massive fan of Twitter. I love Google+. I, I wish there was more hours in the day for me to be more active on Google+. Right. I'm really into Instagram. I just love my Instagram video. Ah,
0: I do, too. I, yeah, I've actually started ah. taking some video, too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just so much fun. And, um, you know, I just have never really been that into LinkedIn. I LinkedIn's um I, I love it. I have an optimized profile. I have tremendous content on there. I have great recommendations and... and um, many, many contacts, but I, I just don't spend a lot of time on that site. And so, gosh, you know, to your point, if Facebook went away, good grief. I, I'm always going to be a business coach yep. in, in business and marketing, and that's going to include online, it's going to include social media. And if a new site came along in the next few years and completely dominated and crushed Facebook, well, then I would be, you know, making sure that I was on that, on board with that site. <laughs> right,
0: and, and, and I brought it up uh, in I kind of expected you say something like that because yeah. a, a smart person would not invest all of their time and and their business into something they don't control, right? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I've written about this before, and that. Um, so my focus first is on my website, and second is on my email list, and and the funny thing is, uh, of the traffic I get to my website, which drives most of my revenue, um, something like nine percent comes from Facebook. And, and I say that, and people are like, why? What? <laughs> but so much of that is from Google. Um, but it, it isn't, it, well, while I think it's a really important part of anyone's strategy, which is why I write about it all day and every day. Um, it's not the be-all, end-all, and your focus needs to be in somewhere you control first. So when you talk about something like business coaching, that is something that no matter what happens with Facebook, with Twitter, with whatever, You've always got something, and I think that's a really good foundation.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Last call.
0: Well, I think, uh, I think we're about out of time here. I've asked our bartender for my bill here, um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I'm ready to take off. But um, we got to make sure we meet up in a three-dimensional real-time bar sometime soon, Bar.
1: Sounds wonderful. I'm, yeah. I'm down for that. I'll have a nice glass of red. That's right. That's
0: right. Now, I'm, I'm sure almost everybody knows who you are, but in case they don't, where can they find you?
1: Simply marismith.com and then facebook.com slash Smith and twitter.com slash Smith, And as I like to say, just Google me.
0: Just Google. It's <laughs> right. And you got you is, is it the re-release of the book, uh, the new relationship marketing, or is it just that there's a, a special on the signed copies right now?
1: I'm doing a special on signed copies. Yeah, I have a I have a whole bunch of them in my garage, and I'm moving them on out. And uh, I specifically wrote the new relationship marketing after the Facebook marketing in our day, which we've now done a second edition of that, the Facebook one. But I wrote the new relationship marketing to have a significantly longer shelf life. Uh, the, the the concepts that I talk about in that book are are many of them are timeless, and many of them expand uh, quite a number you know a number of platforms. I talk quite a bit about Twitter in there, as well as Facebook and the whole whole approach to building a large, loyal, and profitable network, as I say, using the social web.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll have a link to that in the show notes, so make sure you guys check it out. And Mari, thanks again for being a guest. It was an absolute pleasure.
1: My pleasure, too. Delighted. Thanks now. Bye-bye.
0: Man, how awesome was that? I mean, I can't even tell you how thrilled I was to have Mari on the show. I mean, she went from being someone I've always looked up to to a friend of mine. really proud to say that. So thanks again, Mari, for being on the show. And uh, just a reminder, if you got this far, you had fun the podcast. Just admit it. You loved it. You're down in a beer right now. Um, and to show your appreciation, I would appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review so that so many more people can discover the awesomeness of the podcast. Thanks. Until next time, do awesome things. I'm out i